Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon is Central Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention. The next event is scheduled for June 24th through 26, 2002 in Norman, Oklahoma. However, they need your help to put on the next event. Please visit SoonerCon.com to find out how you can help make SoonerCon 30 a reality. The Hellmouth Convention The Hellmouth Convention is a celebration of all pop culture, but specifically things like Buffy, Angel, Firefly, and Dr. Horrible. It is held in Los Angeles, California, and the next event is scheduled for June 3rd through 5th, 2022. Proceeds benefit the Los Angeles LGBT Center as well as the Ron Glass Memorial Scholarship Fund. For more information, go to thehellmouth.org. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Boss. Again, I'm going to be your host. Today I'm welcoming Jason Pollock, the host of the It's Me, Jason Podcast. And before we get started on this chat of MST3K and stand-up comedy, I'm going to remind you of two things to help you out. One, at the end of the show, there's going to be a little segment where I give you advice on what to do with the conversation that we just had It's going to be really important this time around. And two, all the stuff we talk about will wind up in the show notes of AaronBossig.com. Now let's get started. On tap today, we have Jason Pollock from the Hi, I'm Jason podcast. How are you doing there, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, Your name passed my desk and I saw, I was interested, right? I was like, oh, stand up comic with a podcast. I already like that formula. It works well. But then I'm like, what's this? Good. When you when you say stand up comic with a podcast with such enthusiasm, it makes it sound like I'm doing something original. Well, <laughs> no, but that's it. It's it's a known formula. It works as a natural connection between the two. And like- then it's like, wait, he's also wearing a trauma shirt. Okay. Oh, this this one's weird, Al. But yeah, and and other- yes, but but the, the first picture I got was you in a trauma shirt, and Weird Al just takes it up to the next notch because I'm oh, a huge nice. Weird Al fan. Uh, one of the best concerts I ever saw, 2016, uh, mandatory fun tour was just out of this world. The guy is such a whirlwind of talent. I got to see him on the Running with Scissors tour. I'm sure it was just as good. I, it really was. Uh, you can tell he is a class act, and that's what something that even when somebody's not a fan of him, I always I just like everybody who comes in contact with him says he's just a really good guy to work with. I'm not sure why that doesn't get, yeah. My, my wife and I met him at a convention and nobody was at his table. I thought, oh my God, there's Weird Al sitting by himself. We got to go talk to him. Right away, she brought up Dr. Demento. She used to listen to him when she was a teenager and heard him back then. And he, he was so cordial and gracious. And she, she's, my wife is beautiful, which is weird. Look at me, but I don't know, it works. <laughs> but, um, I can relate. <laughs> we both married up. But, you know, she doesn't like her picture taken. And he said, come on. I said, can we get a picture? He said, absolutely. And she said, no, 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 I'll take the picture. He said, get in here, Laura. <laughs> and with that, you can't say no to Weird Al when he yells at you like that. You got to go with the moment. I, when I was, I think it was right after that concert, I ended up working with a, a stand-up comic, actually, who opened for him on one of the tours. I'm not sure which one. 
what an honor that would be. It, it would be. And the guy had said to him, to me rather, that after the concert, Weird Al went back to him backstage and thanked him for putting on a good opening act. Wow, that's a, that is an honor. Yes, and, and generally speaking, musicians don't want the opening act to be that great because they want to have a, a low bar to beat. And to actually congratulate somebody on putting on a great show before your show, just shows he's a good guy. That's great. That's confidence. Mm-hmm. When they do, I know comedians who behave like that, you know, I mean, in both, both respects. Comedians who prefer someone not as funny to open for them. Oh, as opposed to um, destroying and then the headliner going, great, I have to follow that now. So uh, when you, what you were saying? What are the rules about cursing on your show? Please feel free. If it slips out, okay. No, I mean, uh, it's marked explicit. So it is what it is. I don't seek it out, but hey, I want you to feel free. I want you to just kind of roll with whatever pops into your mind there. All right, thank you. So you got the Weird Al thing going on. What got you into doing your podcast? The pandemic. Everything shut down. I just needed to, um, I've been wanting to do it before the pandemic, but I thought, you know, I've got time now. What a perfect opportunity to... uh, get the creative juices flowing again so i had a i called a couple of comic friends and had have them as a guest and my friend justin gonzalez is not really a comedian but i find some of the funniest people i know aren't comedians <laughs> and he's a singer and we just clicked we had a great rapport and um he's really the talent out of the two of us doing this podcast and though it's called hi i'm jason he kind of steals the show but I'll, I'll milk it for all it's worth because it's working out for me. We're getting a following. We have a live Hi, I'm Jason show coming up this tomorrow night in a new venue where, where he's playing his piano and singing and I'm doing some comedy and we're going to banter a little bit and bring up two national comics after that. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so when you're actually, when you're reaching out to your, your fans both over the podcast and as a stand-up comic, do you feel like you're finding a separate voice in each one? In each or are you on stage who you are behind the mic? I, I kind of, it, it took a while for me to find that stage persona, but basically what you're seeing now on stage, I might be slightly funnier. <laughs> uh, I've, I've gotten off stage and people would say, I didn't know you were funny. Well, not all the time. I mean, not, not when there's pressure. If you tell me to tell you a joke right now, I'll fail miserably. But, you know, it's just, it's basically me is me on stage is a heightened version of my own personality, just more neurotic self with better comedic timing. In fact, can I, can I plug something? Sure. Tomorrow I'll be selling my first adult coloring book called The Fly Who Wouldn't, The Fly, I don't know the name of it, The Fly That Refused to Die, which, which I got to tell you the story behind this. I was, I was doing a show um, pre-pandemic. I was doing a show and I was in the, I was in the bathroom um, and I was peeing as you do in the bathroom and a fly came by midstream, knocked into the toilet. I thought, oh my God, what a horrible way to go. I mean, granted, in retrospect, it's a fly. So that was probably like a day at the spa for him. But, you know, he, he, 
I thought I'd knocked his life short, his little life short. And he ended up surviving. He swam up to the edge. I watched him climb up and I started rooting for him in my head. Then he flew out of the toilet and I thought, good for you. And then he landed on my cheek and I was like, you son of a bitch. That was his way of saying fuck you to me. And I told that story on stage. Now, oh, I say he when I, in reference to the fly because we were in the men's room. So I just assumed. But I started telling that. I told that story on stage and it got a big laugh in the way I told it. And then I started telling it on other stages. And somebody who heard it wrote a poem. They felt compelled to write a poem. I thought that's absolutely ridiculous that they wrote a poem about that incident. But I thought I'm going to take it a step further and make an adult coloring book based on a poem. So, and just in case you don't know what I look like, there. That's me. All right. There's my plug. And it's available for sale on Amazon Prime, where all fine books are sold. I'm going to make sure that goes into the show notes because the illustration is great for anybody who's listening to this and is not able to actually see it. Um, oh, <laughs> and thank you. Yeah, not a problem at all. Anything that we talk about here is just for easy reference. We'll go into those show notes. And so, sorry, I, I went off on a tangent. That was great. I, I just, it actually underlies the point I was thinking of at the time is that I, I've seen a lot of comics fall into one of two categories. There are the ones like yourself who, you don't, they don't strike you as funny immediately. They don't strike you as funny off stage. And then if you ask them to tell a joke, they, you know, freeze up. But then there are those that, that thrive on the improv, that thrive on the spontaneity. They just have that energy. And I don't think one is better than the other. Well, no, I mean, it, it does work for different for each person, but no, absolutely. But even the ones who look like they're doing a lot of crowd work and you're, you're watching them thinking, oh my God, this person is so quick thinking, it's like a superpower. The ones who do warm up acts for, for talk shows and things. Um, those people are unbelievable at their improv skills. However, there is, a, there is a math to it. There's a science to it as with anything. You know, you basically have, you know your act and you know what kind of questions to ask people to get that achieved goal, you know. I mean, granted, you do have to be quick thinking. You have to be on your feet consistently. But yeah, I mean, there's a science to that. Like, I, I don't get stage fright like I used to because I know what I'm going to say when I get up there. And, and once, once, you know who you're, once you know your stage persona, it becomes easier to write for that persona, if that makes sense. Like I had Frank Ferrante on here a couple months back now, and you know he has his improv skills are he's unbelievable. Yeah, I've, um, did he get to talk to you about the, the, the basically the mindset behind being on stage, or at least the way he does it? Not that I recall. It would talk about his history. Yeah, it would probably make a lot of sense to you from what you're telling me here, because he's like, yeah, you never know how the show is going to go down. But you talk to enough people and you, you run the same conversations by them, you can kind of limit the possible reactions that you're going to get. So it's improv, it's spontaneous, but your possibilities are more limited than somebody might think of. It sounded like you said something shocking and I just had a reaction to it. Oh, what, what? How dare you? Did I crack the code? <laughs> that, that's an acting exercise. Um, can you repeat that last part again? My cough distracted me. I said, did I crack the code? 
you did crack the code. Yes. <laughs> How dare you? You should have left well enough alone, Aaron. I mean, a lot of people, when they're going out for an evening, they're, they're turning their brains off. So they're not thinking of, gee, how can I trip this guy up? Unless they're hecklers, in which case they shouldn't be all outside anyway. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No, I, I love that's one of the things I love about going to a comedy club or going to watch, uh, going to watch something funny, like mm-hmm. going to a Weird Al concert or Mystery Science Theater Live. Right? I'm such a nerd. But I love doing that because I love to turn my mind off after I, after I stress out a week about every little detail in my life. You know, you're just going to have a drink and laugh and just forget everything. So Mystery Science Theater Live, that's something we got to talk about for sure. How many of those have you hit? What, what I saw, I saw Mystery Science Theater Live once. I saw Cinematic Titanic and uh, yeah, I saw two. Okay. But I got uh, to be a regular on Frank Connett's podcast, which I became starstruck. Just to be. Yeah, how could you not? Then he had me on his, and I was like, oh, God, it's TV's Frank. I, when CT was cruising back when they were first trying to get that off the ground, um, I went to those like I was chasing the Grateful Dead or something. If it was within like 200 miles of my house, I was there. Oh, yeah. Even I seeing the same. You. Yeah. And every time they were always so gracious and appreciative of the fans. I mean, they spent so much time behind and um, even the, just the, the smaller venues where they, they probably weren't getting a big crowd. I just had so much enjoyment out of the fact that people were still chasing this experience, even if it wasn't the same show, they wanted the experience. Yeah. It gives me the same feel I get when I go to a weird Al show. It's just, you know, it's just you're there for the sole purpose of laughing and forgetting, not taking real life seriously. That is so important. Like for example, like the first time I did it was a show in, I believe, Dallas. No, that was the second show. The second show. Um, it was so cool because I could just go up to somebody, have a conversation, and then when I would leave, I would just say, watch out for snakes. And <laughs> they know knew what I was. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's such a cool, unique culture. It's like it's like why we go to certain conventions like horror cons or comic cons, whatever kind of con you want to go to. You're there for the same purpose. You're all you all have the same mindset. It's a it's a secret club that you're you're part of. I love that. And you I wrote an essay. I won an essay contest. <laughs> essay winner here. <laughs> and that episode in particular, the um, I accuse my parents. Yes. It is one of those that I will lean on for comfort food. And it's one of those that I will <laughs> toss at people if they're like, I'm not sure if I want to watch this show because it's good enough that it's it's above average in its writing, but it's not so good that they're like in that ego mano stage where it's like, what am I even watching? No, it's this is more based in reality. Mm-hmm. Though it's ridiculous. I felt too- People were asking, you know, what, what are your favorite MST3K move, types of movies? And like, is it the Godzillas or is it the, the monster movies? I'm like, no, I want those teenage angst movies. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Violent Years. Um, I accuse my parents. Uh, Mitchell, however, does is number one for me, I believe. Joe Don Baker, Joel's last episode. Mm-hmm. The love. scene with Linda Evans, the love scene where he's 
<laughs> it just looks like he's crunched up on top of her with the blanket over them. And you hear, <laughs> like he's vomiting on top of Linda Evans in bed. That's exactly what it looked like. And just the fact that there's a bottle of baby oil there with no commentary. <laughs> so ridiculous. And I say, I've never actually watched it without the puppet. So there may have been an explanation for that bottle. I'd just rather not know. From what I understand, that movie had a lot of editing because there was some nudity and a lot more gratuitousness in Mitchell than we we saw. Yeah, it, it was, even for the time, it was a hard R and there was a lot of, the movie was basically panned because there was so much sex and violence in it. Yeah, yeah. And it was perfect the way MST did it. I heard they had to watch these movies like, dozens of times to get the to get the dialogue just perfect i heard it was about six torture in itself yeah Mm -hmm. okay dozens might have been an exaggeration but demi you called me in a lie (coughs) couldn't leave well enough alone again well you think about they probably watched each one six times but that doesn't factor in the dozens of movies they watched that didn't make it onto the show oh my god i know the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Mm-hmm. That title in itself. That came later, I'm sure. Sorry, I don't mean to, I don't mean to suck on a cough cup, but I just want to control the cough. That's quite all right. Um, I would like to note, I mean, did you happen to hear about how they got the show Manos on there? No. Is this a story that you know? I, I do. Um, I got it in Jackie Ray Naiman's book. I'd strongly I, recommend pick it up i will put the that in the show notes too she's been on the show she's been um, on the show mm-hmm. that's so exciting it is she is awesome An amazing human being uh, but and i'll steal the, the quick little snippet from her book because it's it you've got to read this whole story but essentially she you know she was daddy her father was the master yes and this movie disappeared the night after it was shown in texas it was shown publicly once. It bombed so horribly. Everything was just destroyed without a trace. So she spent ages trying to track this movie down unsuccessfully. She turns on the TV one day in the early 90s and she sees her movie with her dad and there's puppets talking over it. And she has no idea how this came to be. <laughs> and it just it's, it wound up a copy of it in the box at the studios at HBO. So she, you know, looks up their number, calls and says, okay, um, and bear in mind, nobody's heard of this movie since. She's like, okay, this is going to sound weird, but I was in a movie when I was six years old and you just showed it on your network. And I just want to know if there's a way I can get a copy of it. And the guy on the other end says, who's probably some intern, right? Like, what movie was it? Just Manos, the Hands of Fate. Dead silence. Oh my God, are you Debbie? Like, yeah like we're all big fans here <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> i'm not sure there's been a better delayed payoff in the history of the human race <laughs> that's great i love that there's only a handful of people that i could say the name jackie ray Naaman jones and we would know who, who we're talking about mm-hmm. you just said that i it was i took such joy that i knew who you meant no, no I, that, that is incredible, that story. 
she has done some great work since she's a great visual artist, does some painting, does some sculpture. Um, check her out on Facebook. She's got a lot of her work up there, um, does some writing and is not a stranger to the camera right now. She's got some projects in there, as I understand. Didn't they do a sequel? They did do a sequel. Um, directed by Tanya Atomic, also somebody who's been on the show. Strongly recommend it. Oh, because yeah, it's a legit sequel that is it's a good movie in that you can tell people made it who knew what they were doing, but it's a bad movie in that it's legitimately a sequel to Manos. They didn't forget where <laughs> they came from. Oh, so that was intentionally bad. I don't want to say it was intentionally bad. It's just like they knew that they they ha- they couldn't take it too far. It's in- it's competently written. It's competently shot. There's no weird bad dub dialogue, but it's a ridiculous story. Was, was there a Torgo? Yes. Spin-off? Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it all works. Excellent. All right. Yeah, you've given me a, an assignment. Yeah, look up Manos Returns. Check it out. I think it's on Amazon Prime, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're right. It was the last time I checked. Yeah, this this needs to be seen by my eyes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. And next time we, we converse, I will have seen it and we can discuss. Please. Oh, I found a fellow nerd. This is wonderful. And see, this is this is the MST3K culture right here, is that we are connecting simply on the, the basis of seeing absurd things and recognizing the absurdity of it. Yes. I think you would appreciate, I, I just, um, uh, was it a year before the pandemic or two years, I did my first trauma film. I, I was on set for three days for a movie called Shakespeare's Shitstorm. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's a take on the Tempest as only Lloyd Kaufman can do it. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, um, it's really hard to explain, but my first day showing up on set to the trauma film, I walk on, I walk in, it's a bar scene and they said, Hey, we're really glad you're here. We're about to, they're doing a, an eating contest. They're going to throw up real live vomit. So, I mean, you're welcome to watch or you can wait in the holding area. It's up to you. And I thought this is exactly what I expected to show up on a trauma set the first day. <laughs> I figured you would appreciate that little. I do. I do. I, I have to confess, this has come up a few times. I'm not the biggest horror guy. I've seen a few, a few I've actually liked, but generally isn't that isn't so. I always have to have something weird to draw me into horror. And yeah, I wouldn't call Shakespeare shitstorm horror. Okay. It's more or less just. I would say weirdness, gore. Uh, it's a, as usual, I mean, it's a, it's a parody of social justice warriors, but really gory at the same time. It's really hard to explain what this movie is, but it's very entertaining. Well, I mean, it's Lloyd Kaufman, so I, I get it. it. Right. I found the under the umbrella of weird, gory, and that, that to me is horror, but it's, I know it doesn't necessarily have to be under that umbrella. Yeah, I'm still I'm still giddy over the fact that you're going to get my references. Mm-hmm. I, I know my conversations all over the place, but it's so weird to met, meet someone like we've never met before. And I could say to you, sack of monkeys in my pocket, my sister's ready to go. And you know exactly where I'm going with that. Or if I say rock and roll Martian. <laughs> this is amazing. 
See, this is why I need to hang out with more like-minded people. Hey, you've got my number. Keep in touch. Excellent. Because the thing is, we, we're talking about, a, it's almost a shorthand. That, that's what these things become. Like uh, the, the episode Dharma from Next Generation. It's like they basically had a whole culture based on literary references. They got, their entire language was based on it. That's all we're doing here. Yes, yes. It's, it's an episode of Inside Jokes that only the sophisticated will, will understand. This episode that we're doing now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. Because, you know, we're talking about, I've got, you know, when I meet my friends at cons, sometimes are people that I know I'm very, very good friends with, people I've traveled with, and sometimes people like I talked on Twitter with but don't know super well but we all we all get pulled into the same fold the same conversation because our frame of reference in the world of fiction is strong it's very strong we've all gone through we've all watched you know Manos we've all watched Star Trek we've all watched Seinfeld I mean we we get those culture references when we don't necessarily have the bond in real life yes yeah exactly I mean, those, those cons do a lot. People make people can make fun. I've been teased for going to these. But once, the, once you go and you actually see the bonding that takes place there, you know, it's, they get it. Like, my wife didn't understand it, and then I took her to a Monster Mania con, and she, she got it. Even as a movie buff, she's not a horror fan, but as mm-hmm. a movie buff, she still understood. Because people, people who go to these things are smart. They're educated. My wife's a silent film nut and likes classic cinema not horror so much but she understands you know the need to be around people who get you who get your references I, when we when we show up at something like this like for example how did you get into mst3k what was your segue into discovering it the first time i think i stumbled on it by accident i was watching some something on comedy i was watching comedy central i was flipping through the dials and it was a really bad movie, which when I used to see those bad movies, they used to just depress me. I thought, how could these get made? Hot crap. But then I'm watching these three puppets, well, two puppets and a guy. And I'm watching and I'm like, okay, this is really funny. What the hell am I, what the hell am I looking at? And it was, the rest is history. You just got hooked from there. And then Thanksgiving was my favorite because it was just a marathon all day long. And most people who discover the show have a story very similar to what you just said there plus or minus a couple years maybe a different channel it doesn't matter but then you did probably what everybody did that you started watching every episode you could you started maybe taping it here and there and you discover the turkey day marathons so many of us really old fans have memories of sitting down on the couch or putting it on when we got dinner ready we had a day or two of just solid MST3K. And that was, a, that was an experience in our real lives, no matter where we lived, that we probably shared. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I think they really appreciate what they do now. It's, it's the same, it's, I can't get my words out. Hold on, what did the doctor tell me? Okay, no, it's good. Um, I, I told I when I was talking to Frank, I told him basically what you're what we're discussing right now. I just said you just give off 
really great vibe. Watching you guys is like watching Weird Al. It's the same kind of thing. Just pure happiness, just joy and laughter. And he said that's such a great compliment because because of the reason that we just described. You know, it just it's just all good vibes. It's all it is. It's in a good place. Now Frank is one of those people that I think gratitude is a big part of his life. Yeah. You know, come from the background he did where he overcame his challenges. And then, you know, he gets a gig on MST3K, which is kind of a swing up for him. But, you know, the show kind of takes a 20-year hiatus. That introduces uncertainty. And now he's back. I, I just, And every time you see him post, he's always got this thankfulness about just being here. Yeah, absolutely. And he's still doing lot, riff, riffing shows at Dr. Forrester with Trace. I do like those. I, I mean, I one... Good. Are they still good? Because I haven't seen. Excuse me, a little bit of gas. I am um, <laughs> a mess right now. I'm trying to control this cough. <laughs> Make me look so unappealing. Thank God I'm married right now. So um, I'll try to control yeah. myself. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, where's where's my ADD taking me right now? I, I what were we just talking about? We we're talking about Frank and how he's just got this sense of gratitude about him. Oh, oh yeah, 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 and I, I have not seen one of their other one of the riffing shows they're doing now. I know they're not doing any live shows yet because Trace is still afraid to go out due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, online, have you watched any? I've seen a little bit here and there. I haven't got a chance to look at their streaming network the way I wanted to, just for time reasons more than anything else. But I'm just excited that they're still at it because you know, back in the cinematic Titanic days. I mean, I just liked seeing those guys so much. I, first time I talked to Frank, I just had to say, because I thought I'd never see him more than once in my life. I was wrong on that part. But I just said to him, you did this little YouTube video I caught way back when, and I just thought it was hilarious and I'm glad you did it. And just the look in his eyes of, oh my God, this dude saw that weird thing I did. And it's just, you know, I'm like, this guy just put on this huge show. And, and I was stunned about that. But it's like, he was just glad that I shot, watched his YouTube video. <laughs> What, what was the YouTube video? It was referencing the writer's strike of 2008. Um, he had dressed up like a multimillionaire and had just said that he was trying to protest these, you know, the, the worker, the writers, and they were getting in the way of his wanting to make millions and millions of dollars, which I just <laughs> thought was a clever commentary on the whole thing, which really would have boiled down to. That's hilarious. It, it really was. And the way he did it was so great. I'm not doing it justice. I want to see if I can put it in the show notes. If it's still on YouTube, I will do that. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to look for that if you can. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so far back and it might not even have been YouTube. It might have been some of those other video sites that were around back in the day. I can't think of any names, but I, I know what you're talking about. There's still some that exist that I I'll start to watch because there might be a British comedy or something on one that I can't find anywhere else. I'm like, oh, here it is on Voodoo or whatever it's called. It was a Vimeo or something. Vimeo is Vimeo is another movie site, but some of it's it's like you have to put in a code to watch. Mm-hmm. If somebody makes a movie, they'll put the trail the uh, preview of that rough cut on Vimeo. Yeah, speaking I've... of which, um. A movie I shot a few years ago was Seeing the Light of Day. Really? It looks like um, it's called Devil's Creek. 
um, yeah, I, I got to be killed in a horror film. And all of a sudden, all this press was coming out about it because Jonathan Davis voiced the killer, the demon who kills me. Jonathan Davis is the lead singer of Korn. Um, and I'm trying to find the, uh, the poster for him because I made the poster. No, I didn't make it, but I'm on the poster. That was really neat because I got to have a uh, full face mask done because they blew my head up, which is so exciting to see. Okay, for the people just listening to this, and oh, yeah, it's um, called The Devil's Tree. It's cool. It's really good looking poster, actually. I, I, um, I just realized your audio, so I... <laughs> there will be a video version of this. I do put up the works on the, the, the video versions on YouTube for anybody that wants to get their podcast that way. I personally am not a video podcast kind of guy because I'm on the road so much, but I know that there's an audience for that, so I try to help them out. Okay. Do you talk about what you do in your regular day job, or is that a secret life? It's not something that needs to come up. Okay. All right. I mean, we've all done process. I'm a, I have an OnlyFans too, but you know, neurotic dad bod guy. So yeah. I mean, if, if you want to find me on there, another means of. Well, I had an OnlyFans. <laughs> it was just me eating cheese. <laughs> And the fact is, I broke the system. I just had so much money flowing in that only a fan says we can't process this anymore. And I said, well, it's cheesy again anyway. And that was that was the end of it. And what what was your favorite? Blue. It's always got to be blue. Really blue? Oh, yeah. The smell didn't bother you? Oh, I love blue cheese. Oh, blue cheese is good. Mm-hmm. And now you're making me want wings. Exactly. Yeah. If there's something about the mixture of blue cheese and barbecue sauce together, it's magic. I'm never going to lose weight because there's so much great food out there. Mm-hmm. I, I made it a point to uh, run on the treadmill for a half hour before I came up here to do the show. I, I thought, okay, we're starting at seven. It's six o'clock. I'm going to get some workout time in. Because, you know, after an hour conversation or however long this goes, I need to veg out and watch television. Because there's nothing more relaxing than turning my mind off and getting lost in some weirdness out there on television. Fair enough. I was going to say, I hope you didn't think I was going to try to fight you. <laughs> I, I would hope not. I, I wasn't planning on that. I, I, I've heard a lot of people do things to get ready for the podcast. Running on the treadmill is a first, so I'm going to consider that a victory for the day. <laughs> Yeah, I I, um, I figured it would stimulate the brain a little bit. Well, you know, I, I do, I, I besides comedy and acting and podcasting, I have a day job, which I don't talk about much, but I do work in mortgages, which is, okay. if you ask me how, well, like, what I do there or how, like, if I'm driving, I can't talk about it because it, it's really dangerous to talk about mortgages and drive. You're more likely to fall asleep or off the road. But, you know, That'll suck your mind juices right out of your body by the time five o'clock hits. So it's really important to get back into a flow, get the brain juices going again. Just so I can come on here and, and chat about nerdy stuff. Which is really why we're doing the, the day job thing is to give ourselves the, the resources to pursue this. Yes, exactly. And yeah, that's... I, I, I look, at, I look at the day job as a means to be able to do what I want to do. 
And you know, not only do you ha have that, there was a time that you had to choose one or the other. We didn't have the ability to just say, hey, let's set up an hour here and we'll, we'll talk about the stuff that interests us. And then anybody who's interested can kind of chip in and listen. It's yeah. the great thing is that the podcast can be in anybody's ears a half hour from now, and they can be enjoying the same thing we're doing here. And we just talked about the, the, the trauma fans, the MST3K fans who are all interested in this kind of stuff and who all have these shared experiences. And that's a beautiful thing. There's a, that there's a culture out there for everybody. And just like um, those kind of cons exist, a couple of weeks ago, I went to, in Edison, New Jersey, they had an Exotica Expo, which is another con of a different nature. Um, that is more or less a Comic-Con of porn and sexual related stuff. But what you realize there is there is a culture for everybody like the other cons, but there's also a fetish for everybody. Whatever your insecurity is, there's a fetish for it. I've seen things that I can't unsee at that thing, at that place. Yes. I mean, just typing in the wrong thing in your browser should tell you that. You don't necessarily have to go to a con <laughs> to learn that. <laughs> yes, indeed. I mean, rule 34 is there for a reason. Rule 34. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. I apologize about the cough. It's not COVID. I just feel like I'm inhaling dust every few minutes. I, it's been a bad allergy to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's quite all right. That's quite all right. I think I, it's all right. There we go. But yeah, in, in all seriousness, if you want to do a, a an interesting con, there are, there are, the, there are really there are facets of the porn industry I didn't know existed. There's one booth there that's for religious porn fanatics called like Jesus Loves Porn Stars. Um, they, they cover all the gap. They run the whole gamut of fetishes and porn. And no, I just have everybody. When you're talking about that industry and you say you're covering all the gaps, I'm sorry, I just <laughs> gotta. I can't let that one slide. How did I let that one go? I, I didn't even notice. I opened the door. You opened that door and said, come on in. The water's fine. And you know what? The water's not fine in, in, in that aspect. Um, let's say not, not all the uh, holes are open. And I'll leave it at that. You okay. know, I, I did see um I did see a few people I know at this con, which is really funny. Were um, they attending? Were they vending? Were they guests of honor? They were more or less comedians who live in the area who are just as embracing of that culture as anybody, I guess. Um one guy comes up to me, and this this comic looks like a fat John Malkovich. And he comes up to me and has the nerve to, like, I'm not offended, but he was telling me, oh man, there's too much cellulite. You know, I really like my girls. Like, I, I like a perfect little specimen like that one over there. And I'm, I'm thinking, you have a lot of room to talk and criticize anybody right now with, with, with a head like you have. And like, I mean, it, it I don't really condone that. Uh, the, what am I trying to say? He was just that, kind of a jerk. Kind of a yeah. 
and that that line of conversation makes me very uncomfortable. I just don't want to be in the mood of you know number one. I don't want to hear what you like and you don't like. It's like the least interesting thing you could possibly say. It was yeah, it was really uncomfortable. It was very awkward. I mean, and a lot of people who do judge have no room to judge. I think it's exactly and their own insecurities and reflecting them on other people. Yeah, it's like I, I don't need to hear this. I'm uncomfortable with the fact that you're putting down this person for no benefit to anybody, except maybe to make yourself feel better. And I don't really care if you feel better, honestly. Exactly. I, I did take a friend, a friend of mine, nicest guy in the world, but he's so he's more socially awkward than I ever will be. He just got divorced, which is weird because the fact that he was even married to begin with um, is so strange. He's kind of like Mike Kramer in my life. I've just not, one of those people you know through your whole life because you just you're friends with him because you've known him since he was a kid so you just kind of adjusted to that to his weirdness but you know we're we're walking and these girls come up to him and they say would you like a lap dance in our little booth uh, he said okay so i was like all right go for it and he's getting a lap dance with this girl and she's wearing nothing but a thong and they're getting into it and i'm standing there like with my arms crossed just how uncomfortable i was and her, her friend is sitting there looking at me, smiling. Hi. Okay. I don't know what to do. What's the proper etiquette while we wait for somebody to get a lap dance? And then they wrap up. He gives her an extra $10. He said, that was intense. He said, yeah, that was something, huh? And he comes over to me and he says, so she's been to Brighton Beach. How the fuck did that come up in conversation? He's like, I don't know. I was making small talk. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't either. I haven't got a lot of lap dances, but. <laughs> you know, if I got 10 bucks, I'm spending it on the chicken wings. <laughs> and there were chicken wings there. So yeah. Okay. Now, were they good chicken wings? Um, you know, cafeteria style. Oh. The best. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can judge them up. You get those. You can always, judge. You can always judge them up. Yeah. You get the mass-produced, deep-fried, breaded chicken wings. You throw some barbecue sauce on top of them, toss them around a little bit, get your blue. I mean, it's not the food of the gods, but it'll be better. All right. You know, we were talking about porn, but you're really up in that level to, to food porn now. Mm -hmm. really, you know you know how to satisfy my appetite. This is what I do. This is what I do. Yeah. And I, and I did leave out the fact that I did exercise for 30 minutes. When I went upstairs, my wife had raviolis and meatballs ready for me. Nice. Before, so this is all before. So, I mean, that, that at least I got the workout in there to make some room. So, I don't know. If, you can't tell that I have a stomach here. The dad bought it rock and roll right there. But this is why I wear black. Swimming. And you wear black, too, I see. On occasion. Are you this married? Is, yes. Oh, good. So, you're, you're content. Yeah, I, it's a good time. That's good. Yeah. I remember when I, before I got married, everybody's kind of like, not everybody, but a few, I had a few friends who said, oh, what are you doing? This is going to be compromised. You're never going to be able to hang out with us anymore. One woman, I was like, look, the reason I'm marrying her, that's why I don't have to hang out with you guys every night anymore. Yeah. Like it's your last night of freedom. See, I don't see it as my last night of freedom. I didn't want a bachelor party. Like I was, Marrying her because I wanted to be with her. As, as weird as that sounds, I was actually, I'm actually happily married. 
Agreed. It and 38 years to find her, but. It, it becomes difficult for some people to know that, you know, you don't want to spend every night at a bar. Yeah. You, you don't want to wonder where you're going to wake up. That's not something that's appealing to you. Right. You know, it's still every once in a while, I'll join a friends for a happy hour if I have time and realize how boring it is. Um, I hope they're not listening when this airs, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? If you are, learn a lesson, damn it. Be interesting. I mean, if we were out for a drink, we'd be ramming, ram, no, riffing, wow, riffing back and forth over our nerdy pop culture references. But I'm not opposed to doing a couple shots and talking MST3K. I'm all about oh, that. Absolutely. And I've done it many times. Oh, I, I agree. I do like going to a winery with a live jazz trio or something. That That's always kind of relaxing to me as well. Great conversation. Very different from the generic happy hour. I remember when I first started working every weekend doing comedy years ago. And some friends said, we miss you, man. You're, you're not at the bar anymore. I was like, I know. I. And before I could even get anything else out, they said, you had a great time tonight. They played three Who songs in a row. Wow, I really missed out. I can't believe I I could have put the CD on at home and listened to anyone I wanted to, but um, I'm really missing out on a good time there, which sealed the deal and made me realize I don't miss my weekend outings from doing comedy. I miss getting together with the friends, but that's a COVID thing. That's not a married thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm back. I'm fully vaxxed. I got the booster. So I'm, I'm ready to get back out there again. We'll tell you what, man. Let's pencil in that time where we can, you know, throw back a couple of drinks and talk some MST3K. I'm all about that. Let's get together in the near future after you've watched Manless Returns. And I would like to do a live cast with you at some point in the future when geography allows it. Oh, absolutely. Have you done live shows in person before? I have. They're the minority of my shows, unfortunately, but I, they're the ones I enjoy the most. Sure, I can see that. Sure. So um, where can people find you on the web and check your adventures? Um, well, superjpo 71 is my Instagram and um, the Hi, I'm Jason podcast where you promote all of our upcoming activities and shows and events is facebook.com slash Jason and Justin. Or you can look at me on, on YouTube, superjpo 711 superjpo J-Po is a nickname I got because of Jason Pollock, J-Po, like J-Lo. I thought it was a plan worth, but it's really because of my big ass. So, yeah. I was going to say, I can barely tell you two of you apart. <laughs> and I, I get that a lot. I do. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if, if anybody remembers that, Super J-Po 711 on YouTube, subscribe. And as the YouTubers say, don't forget to smash that like button and subscribe. Thank you so much for being here, man, and watch out for snakes. <laughs> Thank you. I would like to thank Jason for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. Let's follow this conversation here. Jason has agreed to watch the second Manos movie. So why don't you head on over to manosreturns.com and find a way you can watch it too. It's a fantastic movie, and the praise that I'm singing for it is very well-deserved. Then go to Jason's podcast, the It's Me, Jason podcast. 
Listen to us reconvening and discussing everything. Don't forget you could subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.